There's uh, three things that God wants us, wants of us, I should say. In Micah 6, 8, it basically says that we should be seeking justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. And I was thinking about how the Lord is calling us to seek justice in that verse. Because there's a lot of injustice that is done in the name of justice. And it really goes against what Micah 6.8 talks about. Speaking on injustice, a French judge in the 1700s, Montesquieu, said this, There is no greater tyranny than that which is perpetuated under the shield of the law and in the name of justice. Well, as we return to our study here in the book of Luke, we find exactly that. We find that tyranny, you could say, of those in charge of Jesus' trial. They bring plenty injustice upon Jesus. But what they, what, what they do in bringing that injustice in, in this trial on Jesus, they actually expose the real emotions. And, and that's what we're going to be seeing today in our study. I've titled our message, Jesus on Trial. Jesus on Trial. Now, we're going to finish up chapter 22, finally. We're going to go from verse 63 to the end, 71. But we're also going to cross over to chapter 25 and go from verse 1 through 25. I said 25. Chapter 23 from verse 1 to 25. So we got a lot to cover here and I'm going to be moving along. So Jesus on trial is our title and we're going to see three things. We're going to see different trials going on and number one is before the Jewish leaders, Jesus will stand. Uh, He'll also stand before the Roman authorities and number three, he will stand before the Passover crowd. So those are the three things we're going to be covering in our passage here from verse 63 in chapter 22 and in chapter 23 all the way to verse 25. But let's begin here, number one, before the Jewish leaders. That's our heading here. Uh, Jesus is going to stand before the Jewish leaders. Uh, We're going to be covering verses 63 through 71 of Luke 22. So if you're taking notes there, that's what we're going to be covering. Well, first of all, let's take a look at Luke 22, verse 63 through 65. Take a look with me here now. Luke 22, verse 63. Now, the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? Verse 65, And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. We'll stop right here. Now we begin here how the men, verse 63, you know who that is? This is the the temple police, basically. The temple officers. and, And they were the ones really for working for the high priest there in the temple. And they were like the enforcers. You can say they're, they're like the thugs of the high priest. 
And it says here that the men were holding Jesus in custody. Remember last week, Jesus was arrested in the garden, yeah, Gethsemane. They came in, Roman soldiers, temple police, the high priests, uh, the elders of the ruling body of Israel all came in with Judas leading the pack, uh, kissing, betraying Jesus, kissing him on the cheek, greeting him in that way to point Jesus out. And he was arrested. And so here we have the men, the temple police, holding Jesus in custody. They began to mock him. They began to uh, beat him. And they began to like blindfold him and, and, and hit him and say, hey, prophesy, prophesy, just mocking him in that way. Can you imagine Jesus getting hit blindfolded? Can you imagine getting hit that way? I mean, usually if someone's going to hit you, you kind of can react and duck. But he can't see anything coming literally he's blind sighted and they did a whole bunch of things like that saying things like that humiliating him basically uh, blaspheming him that means like slandering him uh, him being god dishonoring him putting him down in that way so here in 63 through 65 we see the shocking thing that jesus is being beaten here and this is really the first beating he's going to get. The first time he's going to be suffering in this way. And I think it's just shocking. And here's the shocking thing to me, and this is the first thing I want you to see, is that Jesus was unjustly beaten while in the custody of the Jewish religious leaders. Think about this now. Jesus was unjustly beaten while in the custody of the Jewish religious leaders. I mean, th- this is the chief priests. This is, this is the elders, you know, of Israel, the, the religious leaders. And they're having Jesus mocked and beaten in this way. They're having the temple police thug guys doing this. Now, th- what we're going to get into here tonight is actually I'm going to give you six trials that Jesus went to. He actually went through six of them. We may think only a couple of them, but they're really six trials that Jesus will have to face and stand before uh, uh, these different trials before he's put upon the cross. And let me explain to you. The first trial is actually, we, we, we saw part of that back in verse 54 last week. You remember in, in verse 54, if you look above, it says, Then they seized him, they arrested him, led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And I, if you remember, I mentioned to you that's Annas. That's his house. A-N-N-A-S. Now, Annas was, they say he's the high priest, but he is actually the former high priest. He was, he was the ex-high priest. There's someone else in power right now, but he was the one before that. Now, according to Jewish law, a high priest actually would serve in that position for their whole life. But what happened here was Rome didn't like him. So Rome took him out of power, and instead now his son-in-law, Caiaphas, which we're going to see in a moment, he is actually the sitting high priest. But in verse 54, it says that Jesus was taken to Annas's house. And we find that in the parallel Gospels. Annas is actually still in power here. 
He, he, he's like controlling everything still, like, like a mafia boss. That, that's really what's going on. Re- remember these, these Sadducees now. That's what the high priests and that was the, the, the high priests were all Sadducees. They were actually made rich by the marketing of temple sacrifices, uh, money changing. They were running that racket in the temple so that when the people came, they had to buy their sacrifices. And in order to buy their sacrifices, they got to exchange money for the shekel and Jewish money from the Roman money. And they would make money off of all that. And so think about it this way. Jesus was first brought to basically the Godfather. Yeah, the head of this whole syndicate, the head of this whole commercial enterprise that was going on with the high priest. And Annas was a guy. So Jesus, in verse 54, was brought to Annas. This is Annas. This is his first trial. Yeah. And we find out really in John 18 that Annas is really searching for some charges to bring against Jesus. He didn't like Jesus. Annas, you can imagine, wanted Jesus dead, out of there. He was upset because, remember Jesus, both at the beginning of his ministry, we see in John, and at the end of his ministry, we saw even here in the book of Luke, Jesus went into the temple and overturned the, the, the tables, right? And, and, and he, he said, my, house, my father's house should be a house of prayer, right? Well, Annas didn't like that. Jesus was threatening their business, their income, their riches, basically. So what we saw last week was, we would say, is the first trial. More details are in John 18. You can read that. Well, a second trial happens. Uh, in Matthew 26, 57, uh, after Jesus is brought to Annas, just the, the head guy, the head mafia godfather guy. Jesus is now taken across the courtyard to Caiaphas. He's the son-in-law. He's the actually sitting high priest at this time. Now, if you can picture this, if we put together what we saw last week with Peter's denial, him in the courtyard, right? Well, that was that courtyard Peter was in, denied Jesus three times. So maybe picture this, that... Uh, when the cock, the, the rooster crowed, right, the third time, that was when Jesus was being transferred from Annas' place through the courtyard probably into Caiaphas' place. And maybe sometime around then or maybe right when he got to Caiaphas' house, the, the rooster crowed and Jesus turned and looked at Peter and he knew what happened. Peter denied him three times. So the second trial now is at Caiaphas' place. He's a sitting high priest. And what we know from the other Gospels is that he had gathered the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin is a 71-member, basically, ruling body of Israel. It's like the Supreme Court of Israel. We would think of the Supreme Court today. Uh, I don't know if he got everybody, but probably got a quorum. Back then, a quorum would be about 25 members. But you would have the uh, Pharisees, uh, that's one group. You had the Sadducees, that's the second group. You had elders of Israel, uh, ones who um, every uh, uh, Jewish city or town have their own little tiny Sanhedrin. Probably one of the main guys, the head guys from there, would be part of this big Sanhedrin. 
And so it was a 70-member, and then including the high priest would make it 71. So he gathered those guys, and it, most likely it's around 3 a.m. because the rooster had crowed. And so Caiaphas now brings the Sanhedrin. Probably when he, Jesus was seeing uh, Annas, he was gathering everybody, getting, calling everyone to come. And by the time they came, Annas was done, brought Jesus to Caiaphas. And that's the second trial. Caiaphas tried to bring false witnesses in. Caiaphas tried to, to bring some guys to come and testify against Jesus, but it never stuck. They couldn't agree on each other in their testimony. And we know that Jesus remained silent against all the false allegations until Caiaphas, in his frustration, straight on asked Jesus, Are you the Son of God? And at that, Jesus opened his mouth and said, You have said so. It's true. Yeah, I am. And then Caiaphas shouts, Blasphemy! Yeah. And, and then he says, you, He deserves death now. He deserves death. So it was like that trial there brought up, Oh, see, Jesus is claiming to be God. That's blasphemy. And so we need to sentence him to death. Now, I want you to understand something as we get into this passage here. Understand here that every part of this was illegal. And, and in this way, I mean, already they're beating Jesus up, right? And this probably happened right after the second trial. What we're reading here in this first part uh, most likely happened after that second trial. And they're, they're like, Beating Jesus up, that, that's not supposed to happen. Uh, every part of this was bad, even his arrest. Yeah? He was arrested on, really there was no real charge. Annas was searching for it. Uh, the, the Caiaphas in the second trial, they were trying to get something against him. And then finally, it was Jesus who, uh, he said, are you the son of God? And he said, yes, basically. Uh, are you the Messiah? Are you God? That to bring someone in that way without any charges, that's illegal, even according to their own law. This was all according to their own law. They were not supposed to have a trial at night. They were not even supposed to have a trial at, at someone's house. It's supposed to be where the Sanhedrin meet yeah, in the daytime. Annas, he wasn't a sitting high priest. He had no legal authority to say anything. Uh, According to Jewish law, that you were supposed to have a defense with you. Jesus didn't have anybody. Uh, and, and there was no, uh, according to Jewish law, you're supposed to have two credible witnesses, but they couldn't find none of that. And, and to sentence someone to death uh, in, at Caiaphas' house, yeah, especially during the Passover, that was against the law, their law too. So in every aspect, this was very illegal, even according to their own Jewish law. So this was all, this trial, these, all the trials was a total travesty of justice. So keep that in mind in what's rolling here. All right, take a look at verse 66. When they came, the assembly of 
the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from our own lips. Now, when day came, which is 6 a.m., the assembly of the Sanhedrin of elders officially met, you could say. This was like to make it legitimate. We really come to the third trial now. They're only supposed to do these trials during the daytime, so they want to make it official. They want to make it formal. And perhaps they got all the other guys by then, all the 71. They gathered them together when it was day, when they're supposed to do it. They weren't supposed to do the, the, the other trials. And so they got them together, and, and Jesus is brought to the chamber of where they meet now, this Sanhedrin. And, and the crazy thing is they had already condemned Jesus to death. And, and so this was just a, a, a formality. So they bring up, if, you're, if you are the Christ, the Messiah, tell us. But Jesus like, well, you know, if I tell you, you're not, why am I telling you this? You're not going to believe. It's not going to make any difference. And if I ask you, do you believe that I am the Messiah? You're, you're not going to answer that. You're not going to say anything. But notice Jesus says in verse 69 something amazing. He tells them anyway, but from now on, the Son of Man, which is a term of the Messiah taken from Daniel's prophecy, uh, he says, from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Basically, he's saying, I'm God. I'm going to be seated on that throne. I'm going to be overseen at the right hand of God. That's that judgment, a seat of judgment, seat of power. And so they clarify. They ask him, so are you the son of God? And what does Jesus say? You say that I am. You know, you can't not get away from the fact that, that Jesus is saying he is God here. You, you cannot. Because with the strongest possible terms that they would understand, Jesus said, I'm going to be sitting on the, at the right hand of God. I'm, I'm God. I'm going to be judging the whole world, the whole earth in that way. I'm going to be seated in a seat of power. I'm God. Jesus is claiming to be God right here. And besides that, we know he's saying that because the council... Then they say, verse 71, what further testimony do we need? They're all upset. We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. They're like blasphemy. He's claiming to be God here. And so with this, this whole Sanhedrin now unanimously say Jesus deserves to die. He's claiming to be God. So here's another thing I want you to see. Jesus was illegally put on trial and unjustly condemned to die. That's what's going on. 
He was illegally put on trial and unjustly condemned to die. That was it. That's what was going on here. You put all the Gospels together and you take what Caiaphas said earlier, but this is what it was. This was to the formality of it to make it official. Now, Jesus needs to die. And what's his crime? Claiming himself to be God. You know what's sad? That in their own laws, according to like Jewish legal law, if there's a unanimous vote, like everyone says, yeah, you know, he, he's guilty, he's guilty. Uh, it's not supposed to count. According to their own law, if everyone is unanimous, then, then number one, it, it, it shows a lack of mercy. And number two, it means there's a conspiracy going on. Interesting, because there is a conspiracy going on here. And you know what? It's sad that they would sentence Jesus to die right away. That went against their own law. So we're going to see in the next chapter, they're, they're going to Pilate right away. They're going to go to him um, to, to condemn him to die, to get the Roman government to put him on a cross right away. But their own laws yeah, say that if you condemn, if someone is guilty and the sentence would be bad enough to where they're condemned to die, that you would actually wait one day to actually uh, pronounce that sentence. And even if you did, you would wait till the third day to uh, execute that sentence. You know why? Because they wanted, they, according to their own law, God put in there that it would give time, just in case if there's new evidence given, maybe uh, that would bring in their innocence, that it was mercy, perhaps to save an innocent person from death. But not these guys. Not these guys. That's the way they were to conduct things, but they didn't. Why? Because they had their own agenda. So you can see something here, yeah? They're, the Jesus is on trial, but actually they're on trial, and what's being exposed is their true agenda. That's what's going on. I think about the Pharisees, yeah? Jesus threatened their position. Jesus came in with saying, hey, you know, you guys, your theology and doctrine isn't correct. This isn't what God really meant. Your legalism, your traditions that come in and change what God wants, it threatened their position. They didn't like that. Their position and power. For the Sadducees, well... As I mentioned, Jesus threatened, what? Their money. Their money. So, here's another thing I want you to see. Jesus on trial only exposed how the Jewish leaders just wanted to have him killed. That's all it was. Yeah. Grabbing Jesus, arresting him. Uh, trying to find charges against him. Annas, Caiaphas, coming before Caiaphas. The third trial now is this formality. They just want to get the vote down, make it official, meet during the daytime. Jesus on trial only really exposed how the Jewish leaders just wanted to have him killed. They, didn't, they wanted him out of there. William Stalker said, It may be said that they walked according to their light, but the light, that was in them was 
darkness. Talking about the Sanhedrin here, talking about Caiaphas, talking about Annas. I mean, what, what Stalker is saying is that they, they, would, they walk like their priests, like their religious leaders, like, like they had the light. That they came in to bring justice upon this crime that Jesus committed, the blasphemy. But the light they thought that, that they claimed to have was really in them was darkness. They thought they were so right. They thought they were so just, but it was really injustice being done. I was thinking sometimes we can do the same. Sometimes we think we are so right, yeah, that we have justification, that maybe we even use Scripture to pound this out, but we're really using the Scripture to promote our agenda, to justify what we want. The reality is we're just pushing things through for our own agenda, using God, using His Word. It's like these guys. God is holy. No one can claim God, that they're God. No, Jesus can't be the Messiah. Jesus can't be God. No. Why? Because they want to get rid of Him. They didn't like how he was interrupting their life, their lifestyle, their riches, their power, their position. And sometimes we get it wrong too in our own mixed up perspective and we can use God to justify what we're doing when it's really injustice. So here's Jesus on trial, number one, before the Jewish leaders. And now number two, we go to two in our outline, before the Roman authorities, before the Roman authorities. Now we're crossing over here. Hey, isn't that great? We finally finished Luke 22. It's been forever. But like I said, hey, Luke writes long chapters, 71 verses long. Anyway, Chapter 23, before the Roman authorities, we're going to be covering verses 1 through 12 in this section. And take a look at verse 1 through 7, first of all. Luke 23, verse 1. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea and Galilee, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who himself who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. So we'll stop there. So in verse 1, then this whole company, the Sanhedrin, everyone, yeah, they escorted Jesus with the temple officers, those thugs, yeah, and carrying that official verdict, basically, yeah. The formality they went through right there when it was day 6 a.m. So now they bring Jesus before Pilate. And you have to understand that uh, Rome, like the Jews, couldn't execute anybody. There, uh, in Old Testament, it was by stoning. 
But legally, they could not officially do that. Rome took that power away. So only Rome had the, the, the power of capital punishment to execute someone. And Rome used the cross. So they went to Pilate to get this done. So now we come to base. The, the, this is the fourth trial for Jesus when he stands before Pilate. So the Jews bring Jesus to Pilate, and they begin to accuse him. Here's the charges, right? Well, we found this man misleading our nation. What are they saying? They didn't say specifically, but basically he's saying he's God. Yeah, He's leading people away you know, from, from our uh, uh, Judaism and, and our laws that we have. But notice what they throw in there. Oh, and you know, he's forbidding everyone to give tribute or taxes to Caesar. Was that true? No. That was false, a false witness. And saying that he himself is Christ. And notice, a king. What are they doing? They're trying to manipulate Pilate to hear that, oh, this guy's an insurrectionist. Yeah. He wants to come and take over Rome. And, and, but Jesus never wanted that. Jesus never pushed that at all. Or he never said not to give taxes to Caesar. The opposite, right? Yeah, Pay unto Caesar what's uh, due Caesar. So what is they trying to do? They're trying to get Pilate all riled up to, say, to alarm Rome to say, Oh no, this is wrong. He deserves to be executed for insurrection. So Pilate, sitting there with Jesus standing, and here's this fourth trial, right? He asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And what Jesus said, what did Jesus answer? You have said so, yeah? Because he is, right? He's the Lord. He's the king. But he's not saying, well, I'm king over the whole world. You know, and, and we know more conversations that went on in the other Gospels, but basically Pilate doesn't see this insurrectionist, doesn't see some radical guy hating Rome or anything. Yeah. He starts to see what's really going on here. And so Pilate tells the chief priest, the, the, the whole crowd that was there, you know what, I find no guilt. He, he's not guilty. But then they start... Uh, Throwing things in again. Well, you know what? He's, he stirs up our people. Yeah, He's teaching, going to Judea, you know, just riling everyone up, gathering everyone to follow him. He's going to Galilee. Judea is the southern county or southern part of Israel. Yeah. Uh, Galilee is the northern. Even to here in Jerusalem, he's doing that. Is Jesus really riling up the crowds like that? No, not really. And so when Pilate heard this, he asked whether Jesus was a Galilean. And then he learned that, oh, he is. And that means he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction. Herod was allowed by Rome to kind of be a little mayor over uh, the area in the northern area. And actually, Herod was in town in Jerusalem. So he thought, well, I'm going to send Jesus to him. I think Pilate was kind of like over this. Yeah. He could see that there was no real reason to execute Jesus, as they were saying. He could see that Matthew 27, 18 says that he was that the Jews were jealous actually of Jesus. That's how he saw it. They're envious of Jesus. 
So Pilate just, you know what, I'm over this. You know, send him to Herod. He's from Galilee. So here's the first thing. Pilate's attitude here was, let someone else deal with Jesus. Yeah? I don't, I don't want to deal with them. Let someone else deal with Jesus. He didn't want to get involved here. I was thinking how a number of years ago, a man was pushed onto the subway train tracks in New York City, and, and he couldn't get out. He tried to climb out. He was putting up his arms and reaching up to people to help him, but you know what? No one helped him. People were just, just watched him, and he died right there. Experts in this news article they call this the bystander effect. And what that is is when you're like in a public place and people in a group all together, they're like, oh, no, I don't want to be the one to get involved. Someone else get involved. And it, there's this kind of thing called the bystander effect. When, when I, we read in the news, someone's getting, um, I was just uh, reading, I, I think, I remember earlier this year or so, and an Asian woman you know, it's getting attacked and everyone was just standing there, Yeah, No one helped. There's this bystander effect. Well, that was Pilate. Pilate's like, oh, no, nah, I don't want to get involved with this. I'm now. Nah. And that was even after Pilate was face to face with Jesus, John 18. When, when he was confronted with the truth about Jesus, he's still like, no, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get involved. I think sometimes we can be like that. Maybe you are. Ah, let, let, let someone else follow Jesus, you know. Let someone else deal with Jesus seriously. Oh, yeah, you guys are the real serious ones. Ah, me, I, I, I'm not. Ah, it's good for them. I think in a way, with Jesus, some people can be in that bystander effect too. All right, well, look at verse 8 now. He goes to Herod. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. Verse 9. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. And Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him, then arraigned him in splendid clothing. He sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. So now we come to the fifth trial. Jesus stands before Herod. Herod, Herod. Pilate says, you deal with it. You know. So now here, here's Jesus before Herod. Herod, this is the Herod who, who had John the Baptist beheaded. That's the same Herod. So Herod, you know, heard about Jesus. I'm sure John the Baptist mentioned it. He, he, he knew Jesus, you know, he had heard about Jesus going around the crowds, he heard Jesus, all the miracles, everything. So here's Herod. He goes, oh, I'm so happy to see Jesus. I'm so happy that, oh, yeah, bring him here. But all he wanted to do is see a, a sign from Jesus. Yeah? He wanted Jesus to, to do some miracle. That's what Herod really was into. So Herod's questioning him. Well, what about this? What about that? At the same time, here are these religious leaders yeah, following all the way over there. And they're like railing, laying into 
uh, Jesus and talking about this is what he did, this is what he did, Herod, you, you got to condemn him, you got to condemn him. You know, trying to get Herod to, to make this verdict upon Jesus. But isn't it interesting in verse 9, but he made no answer. That's Jesus. He was silent. Why? Because all the accusations that they were making were false. Yeah. And Jesus, like, like the prophecy said, was, was, was silent like a lamb right, uh, sent to slaughter. Jesus was silent. Can you imagine that silence? I, 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 you know, there's God right there just being silent. I'm sure these, these people there didn't even notice, but if we were there, we, we'd probably go, wow, that silence is, is, is heavy. It could be convicting. It could be condemning. So, with Jesus not even saying anything, nothing in his defense, Herod and his soldiers, they, they started to treat him with contempt. They started to despise him. They, they didn't honor him at all. And they beat him now. Yeah? They put on some clothing, mocking him. Oh, yeah, you're some king. Okay, yeah. And they mocked him, treated with contempt in that way. And so Herod sent Jesus back to Pilate. And after that, they became, Herod and Pilate became political friends. Here's the second thing Herod's only interest in Jesus was for his own entertainment. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus stood before him on trial, but he didn't really care if Jesus was innocent or not. He just wanted to be entertained here. Vance Abner wrote, A lot of what goes for Bible teaching and evangelism is but religious entertainment. Isn't that interesting? I read that, that, whoa. Some people, they want to entertain basically yeah because actually sadly a lot of christians just want to come to church for the entertainment and if they're not entertained then ah oh, now i i don't like this they're looking for that entertainment they're not really interested in the truth of the word of god and what god is saying god becomes the quote-unquote, like court jester. That's Herod. Ah, Jesus, do some miracles. Entertain us. Be the court jester. Yeah? And some people, if Jesus doesn't keep you entertained, then, well, you move on to something else. Pilate, ah, let someone else take care of this. Herod, ah, I'm, I, I just, I'll be interested in Jesus only if he entertains me. All right, well, Jesus is on trial. It's the fifth, fifth trial we've seen. And we've seen him before the Jewish leaders, before the Roman authorities. And now number three, we have before the Passover crowd. Before the Passover crowd, our third heading. And here we're going to take the rest of our verses from verse 13 through 25. Take a look at verse 13. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people and said to them, 
You brought me this man as one who is misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore just punish him and release him. Now, uh, th- th- this is interesting. So here's, here's uh, Jesus back now with, in front of Pilate. And you know, here's all the Jewish religious leaders there. And so Pilate basically says, okay, look, you know what? There's nothing here. You say he's misleading, but, but he, he's not. He's not against Rome. Remember, he, he, he already saw that there's something going on between Jesus and the guys. You know, he could see through that. But there's nothing that, that would make Jesus guilty. There's nothing that would make Jesus deserve death. Basically, he's saying, I don't see anything. He doesn't deserve death. He's what? Innocent to the charges that you're bringing here. But I'll tell you what, to pacify them, he'll say, I'll just punish him. Basically, he'll scourge him. Yeah, beat him up, and then just let him go. But the Jews would not accept that. They wanted Jesus dead. Actually, John 19 tells us that Pilate did have Jesus scourged and beaten. And then he brings him out before the Jewish religious leaders, and this whole crowd, everyone in Jerusalem now, are before Pilate. And that's what we see in our remaining verses here, uh, from verse 18. Now, before I say that, if you have an ESV, you may notice it goes from verse 16 to 18, and you're kind of like, well, where's verse 17? Did they forget something here? (laughs) Oh, misprint from the publishers here. Actually, uh, what it is, is verse 17, the ESV does not put it in there. And they have a note at the bottom basically saying that um, uh, some manuscripts uh, uh, have added verse 17. And what that means is, you see, the older manuscripts, the, the more ancient ones that have been discovered, they don't have verse 17 in there. The, the, the more recent ones um, th- that were writ- copied after that, they, they do have that. So ver- uh, translations like the King James or New, New King James, which are based on the manuscripts that they had at the time when they were translating the Bible, had verse 17. But since that translation happened in recent years, more older manuscripts have been found that were a lot older. And so the ESV and a lot of other translations go with the older ones saying, well, you know what, I think it was added later by a scribe or a monk copying that to make the passage more understandable. So uh, those verses that are like this, they don't change doctrine, they don't change nothing. They, they just help, I think, in understanding. So that's why there's no verse 17. So, verse 18. But they all cried together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection uh, started in the city and for murder. 
Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why, what evil has he done? I found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they have asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. So as we come into verse 18, this is really the sixth trial. Uh, John kind of fills in what happened. Uh, when the Jews saw Jesus, they, 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 they started saying, verse 18, away with this man, you know, release to us, uh, uh, Barabbas and, and what's happening is that now before verse 18 Pilate goes back to Jesus and, and Jesus tries to talk to Jesus hey you know come on what's going on Jesus stays silent Try, Jesus tries to release Jesus but the Jews actually come back and threaten Pilate politically said oh if you do that then we're going to tell you know, politically, we're going to tell your superiors that, oh, you don't support Caesar because you didn't take care of this guy who was trying to take over. So Pilate then comes out here in verse 18. He comes out and he sits on a platform before the people. It's called the stone pavement. It's, it's the official judgment seat. And so this is the last trial. This is the sixth trial. And, and in this one last attempt to let this innocent man go, he basically says, all right, you guys, I don't see anything, but I'll do this. I'll let you guys vote. Yeah. See, I'll let you choose before Barabbas or Jesus. Now, Barabbas was, as we read here, he was an insurrectionist. He was already arrested and tried for for his crime of insurrection he was he was already uh uh tried for for murder he killed someone and so i think Pilate thought well for sure this guy has to die but jesus is innocent so he puts both out and every passover is tradition to let one criminal go for mercy so Pilate, on this judgment seat, the stone pavement it's called, presents Barabbas and Jesus. Remember, Jesus has already been scourged and beaten, and I think he did that to get sympathy from the people. So he presents this both. And so verse 18, they're like, he's like, which one? Which one? Well, that's when they all cried out together, the Jews and the crowd, away with this man, away with Jesus, release to us Barabbas. And so Pilate's like, hey, come on. Jesus is, you know, he, he's innocent. He tries one more time. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. And then for the third time, he's like, why? What evil has he done? I don't find anything. I'll just punish him, release him. But they were urgent, it says in verse 23, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. How sad is that? 
We know from the other Gospels that the Jewish religious leaders were actually going around and, and telling the people, no, no, choose Barabbas, choose Barabbas. They were like poisoning their minds in that way. But their voices prevailed. And then how sad in verse 25, he releases Barabbas, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. So the last point is this. The religious leaders basically used mob rule to tip the hand of Pilate to crucify Jesus. That's what we see here. The religious leaders used mob rule to tip the hand of Pilate to crucify Jesus. They turned Pilate in that way. They, they forced Pilate's hand with the mob, with the crowd. I don't know if you guys saw that video this week. It was so sad to see the video from the, the hearing of the January 6th insurrection, right? The storming of the U.S. Capitol complex. And did you, did you see that video and could hear the people shouting? They are chanting, yeah? hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence. It was a noose outside even. Because why? Because he didn't overturn the election. Crazy. Is that really how you handle yeah, justice? <laughs> is that really how you... Is that justice there? Is that really handle things? Things? No. But this is, this is what happens in mob rule. Yeah? The crowd takes matters into their own hands. People just start jumping in and jumping in. That's what was happening here. Mob rule is where the majority rules. And it's usually uh, uh, without reason or logic. Yeah, the the law is bur- buried actually uh, uh, underneath strong emotions that just want to get things done. The mob just does what it wants. The mob rules. You know, Christians aren't immune to this either. As was the people of Israel here. Think about this. This is this is the Jewish religious leaders and the whole crowd of people that are in Jerusalem that got all riled up against Jesus. Think about how at one time, like what, maybe five days, five, six days earlier, right? The whole crowd, the mob was saying what? Hosanna. Yeah? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying, Lord, say now, Hosanna, you're the Messiah. The next moment, The mob is crying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Let me say, we can get caught up in issues and things like that too. And we can even, inside of us, get even personal issues that spin in us and we get into emotional frenzy and lose sight of God and what's really right, what's really just. Well, as we come to a close, you can see how things just went out of control. You can see how that happened. You, you, you can see the root of this is, is really their, their approach to Jesus, really what was in their heart. The Sadducees, they didn't like Jesus because Jesus affected their money, so they didn't care. They didn't care about the law. They didn't care about justice. The Pharisees didn't like Jesus so much threatening their position that 
they thought this was justice, but it wasn't. They weren't even following their own law. Pilate, I don't want to deal with Jesus. Let someone else take care of it. But then he was forced later. Herod wanted Jesus for just his own entertainment. That's all he cared about. When Jesus didn't do that, ah, out of there. In the crowd, well, they did what everyone else was doing, thinking that this was really right. Because, right, everyone's doing it, so it must be right. Mob rule. But can you see how the trials of Jesus here only expose the real motive of the heart, only expose really what was inside? We think we're the judge, but when we act like that judge, you see what's really inside there. I read about, I'll close with this, I read about a man who lived in Paris, and he had a friend come and visit him. The foreigner wanted to see the city, so the man took him all over. They visited the great art museums, incredible architectural sites and buildings, and the Eiffel Tower, the monuments, and, and even went to this big symphony hall and, 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 and hear the Paris Orchestra play. Well, at the end of the day, the, 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 the visitor, all that visitor did was complain and just criticize everything, putting it all down. Well, then the host wisely said, now, I hear how you seem to always want to be the judge of all things. But actually, Paris is not on trial here. You are. I like that. Because his complaining and criticizing and everything only exposes own heart as it was with the Jewish leaders, Pilate, Herod, and the people. And if you really think about it, it wasn't a trial of Jesus. They were on trial, and that's what was being exposed here. Even though they thought they were trying to get Jesus, they are the actual ones on trial. And it all came about when Jesus is on trial. Let's pray. Lord, uh, so incredible to see the injustice that was happening to you, Lord. When you were before the Jewish leaders, before the Roman authorities, before the Passover crowd. Six trials, Lord. And none of them really proved any of the charges to be true. You're innocent. But that was it, wasn't it? Though you were unjustly arrested, injustice was done. Though you were unjustly condemned to die as a criminal when you did nothing. God, isn't that what it is? That the Lamb of God would take on our sins, the perfect sinless Jesus Christ, God come in the flesh, would take upon his body, the unblemished Lamb of God, to take upon our sins and die for us. Lord, it's a travesty to read this. It is unfair. It's not right what happened, but it's not right that we have sinned against you and you have taken our sins upon you, yet you did. Because of your plan, 
because of love. God, I can sit here and say, wow, I can't believe these guys. can't believe this, that they did that. Why would they do that? That is so wrong. But how wrong am I when I sin? When I fail in my obedience to you? When I allow myself to be given over to the flesh in my thinking, in my actions, when I don't have self-control over my emotions, when I, I, I allow even fear and worry to, to extinguish my faith and trust in you. and They're real. But God, we have a choice today. And it's all because you died on a cross and rose again from the dead. God, let our hearts not be motivated by any of the things we read today. May we not follow you only for riches and and stop because, oh, you're not answering those prayers, God. May we not follow you because, oh, we didn't get our position or or we choose between all oh, our power and position are you and we choose position may it not be that god may we not be apathetic and say ah let someone else follow jesus let me, let someone else deal with jesus not me let us not follow you only for the experience the entertainment for for what we can feel from you and the zaps and the all the the emotional experience. And when it gets hard, we're not there. And let us not be like following the crowd. When a crowd's following you, great. When a crowd isn't, oh, whatever, we're just going to follow whatever the crowd does. But Lord, even if we stand alone, we want to be committed to you because you, Jesus, you, Jesus, died on a cross, and rose again from the dead. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. And we want to give you everything right now. So here we are, Jesus. We are for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.